There is nothing new under the sun. Here's Pastor Ed to explain. The Pharisees were a group of religious people, very religious, who said they kept the law. They just looked on the outside, though, whether you could do all the things of the 613 commandments in the law. They were an elite group, and they were the first society to start cancel culture. You hear that in the news, a lot of talk about that. How so, Pastor? If you didn't agree with everything the Pharisees said, their group, you couldn't be part of the box that they put you in. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place got to dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. Find your place in John 8 and get ready for a great time together in the Word here on Grow in Grace. Pastor Ed Ray will be along momentarily to continue his study of John. You know, I suppose if we had to sum up today's message, we could do so with light, freedom, and the more things change, the more they stay the same. Jesus is not only the light of the world, but he also gives us freedom we so desperately need. Jesus also has to deal with the cancel culture of the day, the Pharisees, as they want to see Jesus canceled. That's no different than the world today. That comes to our attention in John chapter 8 and verses 12 through 36. Here's Pastor Ed Ray to read the passage to us on Grow in Grace. John chapter 8, verse 12. I'm not going to read all of it, just the first part of it. Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The Pharisees said to him, You bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. And yet if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. Then they said to him, where is your father? They asked Jesus where his father was. Hmm. He answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one laid hands on him, for his hour had not yet come. Let's stop there and pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We ask that you speak to us now from it, that we might grow in the knowledge and the wisdom of you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I love the old story of a battleship that was cruising off of Maine late one starless night, and the commander of the battleship was notified, sir, there's a light ahead, oncoming vessel. And he said, signal to them, you know, semaphore, give them a, a message, change your course 10 degrees to the west. Well, a signal came back that said, 
change your course 10 degrees to the east. We'll signal them again, he said, change your course 10 degrees to the west, I am an admiral. The light flashed back, change your course 10 degrees to the east, I am a seaman third class. So the admiral's incensed, so he said, signal again, change your course 10 degrees to the west, I am a battleship, I'm not changing course. Last reply, I'm a lighthouse, it's your call, sir. <laughs> Jesus is warning this group of Pharisees that are confronting him that they're in a head-on collision and they don't see it, they don't get it. They are thinking in the material, physical world and Jesus is talking about the spiritual world. Now, we've been following Jesus through the Gospel of John if you were with us a couple of weeks ago, he was in Jerusalem. He had come down from Nazareth, from the Galilee area, and he was there in Jerusalem for a feast called the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkoth, sometimes called the Feast of Booth. It's a Jewish holiday in the fall, and it still goes on today in Israel. And the people move out of their homes into little lean-tos, little huts that are covered with palm fronds or leaves, tree limbs. And they sleep there in the evening so that the fathers can sleep there with their kids and the kids say, Dad, what are we doing outside? And he'll say, this is to remind us that our forefathers spent 40 years in the wilderness living out under the stars and God provided for us. So this feast that goes on in the fall in Israel still goes on today, and it has some parts to it that Jesus is using as an illustration as he teaches in the temple. He is going to talk about the light because part of that temple was that they would light these giant menorahs, these giant seven branch candlesticks. Only these were really huge ones. The bowls held more than 10 gallons of olive oil and they would light up the whole temple mount. On the last night, they turned them off. They didn't light them because the Messiah hadn't come yet. So Jesus uses the illustration of light because it is speaking to the Jews of the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night while they were on this exodus. So the whole thing is built around their 40 years in the desert. The other symbol that's being used is water. And we saw last time that Jesus came into this water procession. They go get water from a a pool of Siloam, it was called, only three blocks away, the high priest would take the water and he'd go up to the temple and pour it out over the steps. And it would look like water coming out of the rock, which would remind them that God provided water for them from a rock when they were out there 40 years in the wilderness. Then Jesus stood up and he said, if anyone thirst, let him come and drink of me. And out of his innermost being, will come rivers of living water. Thus spoke he of the Holy Spirit, John said. If you would allow, most of you in this room have experienced that. When you surrender your life to Jesus, you ask him to forgive your sins, the Holy Spirit comes inside you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. If you're hearing this for the first time, you're going, what's this guy talking about? I'm quoting the book of Romans. So 
When you give your heart to the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes inside, takes up residence in you, and begins to change you from the inside. That's the beauty of salvation. It's a work of God. It's not you going, I'm just going to try harder. You're going to say, no, I surrender God. you got to fix me. I'm messed up. And he doesn't say, oh, that's a surprise. <laughs> he already knows that. Okay, so Jesus has used the illustration of water and now light. And he hooks the light to the word liberty, freedom. We live in America, at least most of us here, and freedom is a big deal. It was Patrick Henry in 1775 who spoke at a church, interestingly enough, St. John's Church in Richmond, Virginia, and he said, give me liberty or give me death. That became the rallying cry of the American Revolution. They would shout that, that I, I need freedom or I'll die fighting for it. And that's our heritage because we live in this country. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he gave a famous sermon that I have a dream. And in it, he quotes an old spiritual that says, free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. So freedom is a big deal. Liberty and the pursuit of happiness is mentioned in our Constitution. Freedom has always been the major theme of our nation. It's a hot topic today and one of the most treasured things that we as Americans possess. Jesus is speaking to Israelis, Jews, and they had spent 40 years in slavery. They understood what slavery was. And so here the subject of freedom, being a free person, is part of the confrontation between these Jewish leaders and Jesus Christ in the first century. It breaks up into three parts. 12 through 20 is about light, L-I-G-H-T. 21 through 30 is the time is short, that he's going to be on earth. The Feast of Tabernacles in the fall, Feast of Passover is six months later. So it's only six months before his crucifixion. And the last section, 31, is freedom, this whole idea of liberty. You're listening to Pastor Ed Ray on Grow in Grace and a part of a study in John 8. Let's rejoin Pastor Ed as we pick up in verse 12. Let's jump in and look at light here in verse 12. Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. When Jesus says he is the light, he's talking about moral, ethical understanding. Having a grasp of what life is really about. He is uh, promising that you will not walk in darkness. Continuously, if you walk with him, you will be in the light. You keep walking and you'll get more light. You'll get more understanding. You start out without knowing very much, but continually walking with the Holy Spirit in you and you'll grow and you'll become more like it. None of us reach it here, but God is in process right now in your life because Hearing the word of God, the Bible, brings faith. That's his promise. So you're growing in faith if you're sitting here just hearing this discussion. So I was reading this week about 
seen about life, about understanding life. And I read about Helen Keller. Now, Helen Keller was a lady that was born both deaf, unable to hear, and blind, unable to see. Got five senses and two of them were not working. And so her life became interesting because it turns out she's a brilliant lady and her journey to learning how to read Braille uh, is recorded in a best-selling book. So she's trying to understand the connection of words to writing to reality, trying to understand life. So she's walking with her teacher, a woman named Sullivan, and they go to a, a old pump house. And she said, someone was drawing water and my teacher placed my hand under the spout. As the cool stream rushed over one hand, she spelled into the other hand the word water, W-A-T-E-R. First slowly, then rapidly, I stood still, my whole attention fixed upon the motions of her fingers, and suddenly I felt conscious of something, a thrill of returning thought of somehow the mystery of language was revealed to me. I knew then that W-A-T-E-R meant the wonderful, cool something that was flowing all over my hand. That living word awakened my soul, gave me light, hope, joy, set it free. There were barriers still, it is true, but barriers that could in time be swept away. God said his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. We are stuck here in time. We are living in a world that's material, but he's telling us that our five senses are not reliable to understand the spiritual world where we're going. We need a aha moment like this woman did, Helen Keller, when she was blind and deaf and suddenly she got, well, words equal reality, things that she was experiencing. She learned Braille. Her first book was a Bible in Braille. She memorized huge seconds of it and she became a wonderful Christian. The Pharisees heard that, verse 13, and said, you bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. Now, according to their Old Testament law, Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 6, in the mouth or two or three witnesses is a thing established. It is the basis for our jurisprudence system that in a murder trial, you need an eyewitness and two will confirm it. So that's what they're saying. You're just talking about yourself. We can't trust it. Jesus answered and said to them, even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. Just because someone tells you something about themselves doesn't mean that it's not true. It could very well be accurate. But you guys don't have a clue, is what he's saying to these religious leaders. You judge according to the externals, the flesh. I judge no one. 
They're looking at the physical attributes of a person and that is a big problem in our nation. We as Americans often ask questions. You might be a Pharisee. Okay, so the Pharisees were a group of religious people, very religious, who said they kept the law. They just looked on the outside though, whether you could do all the things of the 613 commandments in the law. They were an elite group and they were the first society to start cancel culture. You hear that in the news, a lot of talk about that. How so, Pastor? If you didn't agree with everything the Pharisees said, their group, you couldn't be part of the box that they put you in. There were other cancel cultures in the first century. There was a group called the Aseans. And the Aseans said, the world's too messed up, we're gonna go live in the desert. And so they moved out to the Dead Sea and they began to write out scripture and that gave us the Dead Sea Scrolls. But they were a very elite group. If you didn't agree with them, you said one thing against them, you were canceled. They didn't talk to you anymore. You were shunned. A cancel culture called the Essenes and the Pharisees, a third group called the Sadducees. They were politically motivated. They were trying to keep the Romans happy so they could have power. And so at their church services in the synagogue, all they ever talked about was politics. Warning, sound familiar? They were unwilling to discuss a personal relationship, the heart relationship with God. And all they wanted to talk about was politics of the day. That's a problem. If you didn't agree with them, you were canceled. You couldn't come to their synagogue anymore. So the Pharisees, you might be a Pharisee if the first thing you ask someone is, where did you grow up? Where did your grandparents come from? What nation are you from? Do you have a high school degree? Do you have a college degree? What kind of work do you do? Well, Pastor, those just sound like normal conversation. No, no, you're looking at the outside. Jesus looks at the heart. What's going on in this conversation is the Pharisees are looking at the outside. Jesus wasn't educated at Jerusalem. He wasn't born in the, quote, holy city. He was born in Bethlehem. And he lived in Galilee. And yet, verse 16, if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, Jesus speaking. I'm not alone here, but I am with the Father who sent me. If I judge, it's because Father God, but they don't get it. They don't understand that he's talking about Father God is with him. It is also written, verse 17, in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I read it to you already, Deuteronomy 17. I am one who bears witness of myself. I testify who I am. But the Father who sent me bears witness of me also. How so? When did Father God bear witness to Jesus? When he was baptized. John the Baptist baptized him. You'll remember a dove came down from heaven and a voice said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And everybody heard it. They're all looking around. Where'd that voice come from? It was Father God. And they said to him, this is awesome, verse 19, where is your father? Now that's a question. Where's your father? Well, my dad's here with me. No, 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 your heavenly father. 
That's what Jesus was speaking to. They're still thinking material. They're thinking genetics. They're thinking a person, something they can see. Jesus answered, you know neither me or my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. If you know Jesus, you will know Father God. He's about to introduce the concept of the Trinity, three persons in one. The words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one laid hands on him, for he had, his hour had not yet come. It wasn't the time for him to die. It'd be six more months. Jesus is in, it's called the treasury because there were 13 boxes there, and they had like, it looks like trumpet horns coming out of them. Nine of them were for the tithe, people put money in them, and the other four were for offerings. It was in the outer part of the temple, also called the court of the women. I'll take just a quick side trip. Christianity has set women free. That's a dogmatic, strong statement for me. If you doubt that, go to a country that has been untouched by Christianity. If you don't think women's rights are unique to a Christian country, go to a Buddhist country, or go to a Hindu country, or go to a Muslim country you will find something completely different. Why? Now, I have two daughters, so I'm a little sensitive about this, but the court of the women that Jesus is speaking in was so they could bring the woman caught in adultery that we looked at last time into that section because women couldn't come into the other part. Jesus Christ, speaking through Paul, said there is neither male nor female. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. We are all one in Jesus Christ. And that's a unique place in the world, ladies. Then you can thank Jesus for that. Of course, he's God, of course. So they're in the section called this area of the women. So Jesus is on the Temple Mount, and he's giving a sermon, really. This is a sermon to a bunch of rabbis. Jesus said again, I'm going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sins. Where I go, you cannot come. Wow. So he drops, throws a hand grenade in the crowd. I'm going to heaven is what he's saying, and you're not going unless you believe in me. That's where this is going. And it's true for them, and it's true for us. Unless you believe, unless I believe that Jesus is God who came to earth and died on the cross for your sins, you will die in your sins. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Because he says, where I go, you cannot come. So they don't understand. Again, that Jesus is talking about the heart issues of believing in him and not the physical world. He said to them, you are from beneath. <laughs> He's trying to get their attention. You're from hell. I am from heaven. I'm from above. You were of this world. I am not of this world. I love that last part. I walked around the parking lot a couple of times, and I noticed a lot of you have that little sticker on your back window of your car, not of this world. I think that's a very cool sticker. I think it's a witness without being offensive at all. And that comes when you surrender your life to Jesus. You're no longer a citizen of the United States. You're a citizen of heaven. And that's God's gift to you. So you're no longer of this world. Thanks for listening to Grow in Grace as we continue our journey through the New Testament. Today's message from Pastor Ed Ray is a part of our study in John's Gospel. And you can hear it again at thepackinghouse.org. You'll find all of our recently aired programs right there at thepackinghouse.org. 
as well as an archive of Pastor Ed's messages. We're also on YouTube, and that's a great way to live stream our services or watch recently delivered messages. Search for Packing House Christian Fellowship, and if you prefer to have a CD copy of today's message, just call toll-free 844-77-GRACE. Again, we're here to serve you at 844-77-GRACE. As we continue to get the word out on stations like this all across the nation, we're looking to our listeners for help. Even a small donation can have a large impact by God's grace. And whatever comes in goes straight to the ministry. When you support Grow in Grace with a gift of any amount today, be sure to request our featured resource. It's a book called Why Revival Tarries by Leonard Ravenhill. This is a no-compromise call to biblical revival and spiritual excellence that we all need to hear. You'll see the great disparity between today's church and the Church of Acts. Again, we're making it available for a gift of any amount. Just give us a call at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Would you like to put a smile on our face? Just shoot us an email and let us know you're listening. It's so helpful to hear if a particular series is benefiting your walk with the Lord. It's encouraging, too. Our email address is packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's packinghouseradio at aol.com. We have another study to look forward to in the Gospel of John next time on Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. We'll see you then. This program is listener-supported and brought to you by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands, California. Zion, now filled with hands and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son. Selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said let this world know me by your